welcome to a new episode of the Life Science Get Together podcast. Recently, I read in two studies, uh, one is from McKinsey, that um, the early stage, uh, let's say, scene in Europe uh, evolved tremendously, but still has some um, problems to solve. Um, what is this early stage uh, deep tech uh, investment scene exactly? It's basically the, the development area when uh, new innovations and ideas come out of university and are not yet projects, but uh, are put in a company and hopefully become projects or uh, products in the future. And McKinsey stated that uh, although Europe has world-class universities and world-class scientists that produce world-class science and file a tremendous amount of patents every year, um, McKinsey came to the conclusion that still there are a lot of unsolved problems in this area. So I thought it's a good idea to shine a little bit more light on how tech transfer evolved during the pandemic and what the future of this uh, mysterious tech transfer uh, is in Europe and invited Dr. Sara Inkinen to this podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Sara. Thank you so much, Christian. It's uh, really a pleasure to be here. Good to see you. Sarah, let's start with a little bit from this McKinsey study. I mean, the, the problematic area they pointed out is the area of tech transfer. And uh, probably it makes sense to first uh, start with a definition, what tech transfer is exactly. Yes, yeah, sure. So maybe it's better to first start kind of from the broader perspective and um, then talk about what this means, uh, for example, in the context of academic organizations or scientists. So uh, in general, uh, technology transfer, tech transfer, plays a key role in how research and science can address global challenges, such as, for example, now the ongoing pandemic, uh, the climate, climate crisis, food availability, different health questions, aging population, and so on. So, uh, in short, uh, it is about facilitating uh, the conversion of ideas into new opportunities and uh, into new business. So, how how is it working in reality? How can uh, how is the process in this area? Well, when we, for example, think about um, the academic technology transfer, so we have uh, first the researchers who are producing ideas, new inventions, data. Um, in some cases, apps, for example. Uh, then we have uh, the technology transfer uh, in the middle as an intermediary and uh, facilitating the transfer of these ideas and inventions, the research products, uh, the research results into industry. So um, it refers to this process uh, in which knowledge, both knowledge and technology uh, are transferred from research to organizations or companies that can then utilize it and commercialize it. And uh, typically this process happens uh, or the conversion, the transfer happens uh, through licensing or sales of the IP or, for example, uh, through the creation of new startups or spin-offs. Let's uh, discuss a little bit about these different opportunities. I find it very interesting. You mentioned uh, on one hand, you have the opportunity to license uh, technology uh, to a licensed partner. The second one you mentioned is um, selling TIP. And 
The third one is the startup. Can you give a little bit more background to these three uh, scenarios that you are pursuing? How, how did they look like and how they work? Yes, of course. So maybe first, it's also important to remember that we are not only talking about patents, even though it's uh, maybe one of the best known examples of IP. So the transfer can uh, also concern, for example, uh, different types of data, um, trade secrets, even, um, of course, as I mentioned already, apps nowadays, designs, trademarks, and so on. So it can be a package um, of different elements. And um, what is the best way? Um, what route should be selected? Uh, yeah, that's a critical question. And uh, I think there is no uh, no clear answer. It's very case-specific But um, in general, of course, uh, licensing is one of the main routes and creation of startups because uh, they can uh, be very scalable and uh, then also increase the impact, the potential impact of these scientific findings. Yeah, very often when I talk with tech transfer officers, their uh, preferred partner is uh, an industrial partner who already has access to to uh, to customers. And, uh, the second best option that I, I saw on the market is, uh, putting it into a startup, but, uh, mostly the preference goes to the first option. How do you see these two possibilities, uh, startups um, and licensing to industrial partners? I think it of course depends on also whether there is a team for the startup. So also I see in my work, uh, different opportunities based on uh, whether there are interested scientists to support the creation of new business and perhaps uh, to become entrepreneurs, uh, whereas in some cases where there is no team, where there is, for example, a patent application uh, or in some cases several, then in that case, of course, the researchers uh, need to support and their knowledge is uh, required and necessary for efficient translation. But uh, in those cases, uh, licensing is, uh, in in many cases, the best option. And of course, I think university business collaboration also plays a plays a role in this in this context. So, um, how to how to make these interfaces work even better? How to make communication and exchange across these kind of boundaries more efficient? I mean, I'm smiling a little bit because. Uh... 18 months ago, when I talked to friends and family about uh, topics like tech transfer, nobody could really uh, do something with these topics. And uh, the last 18 months changed a lot because I think the entire human race or entire population in the Western world got some training into how uh, vaccines and diagnostics are developed. And when I open today newspapers like in Austria, for example, the Presse, or also when I read through Newsweek, there are many, many, many articles uh, that uh, explain in great detail and in high quality how this uh, deep tech world functions and works. So also, we say people outside science are currently a little bit uh, accustomed to, to tech transfer. But one question pops up quite frequently, and this is, um, why is it necessary to transfer uh, ideas or patents or trade secrets or trademarks from universities to companies? Why are the universities not trying to commercialize themselves, their uh, inventions? What's your opinion on that? Mm, well, I think here we can also go back to the bigger picture. So on one hand, the researchers and the TTOs in the middle and the industry but surrounding all of these is, of course, uh, the society and the transfer 
process in is uh, really linear. So it's not always step by step. If you follow this route, then a successful technology transfer happens. So it's a lot about network interactions, different communities, different networks, uh, interacting, uh, having a dialogue. Also, uh, for example, the societal needs uh, to some extent uh, affecting the research topics and then the research topics, of course, giving back to the society through, for example, knowledge transfer and technology transfer. And uh, thinking about uh, the incentives of different uh, these different three groups that I mentioned. So for researchers, uh, it's, of course, rewarding to see their research findings uh, benefiting the society because that's ultimately one of the main reasons for studying things, developing new solutions. And uh, then, of course, it's a way for the universities also through income from licensing or different revenue streams through technology transfer to get uh, additional funding that can be reinvested in further research. So this is, of course, also a benefit for the research community. And for universities uh, as a whole, they have the research uh, kind of research task then they have the education task and then they have the third mission which is the societal interaction and creating something and having a dialogue with the society so it's also related to this and um, of course I think technology transfer doesn't happen automatically so we need we need the TTOs we need the businesses around this community we need the interactions to make it really happen. And for example, in the McKinsey report, it was also highlighted that we need the skills, the right people also to do the technology transfer. We need the funding, we need the mandate to do that and this kind of thing. So it's a really complex environment. And yeah, actually, maybe I can say something about the typical tasks of the technology transfer sure, offices. Sure, go ahead. So they are also, I often talk about TTOs without uh, remembering to define this. So TTOs are technology transfer offices in universities or research organizations. And it is their task to facilitate this process. But it goes also to kind of prepare um, different projects and identify different opportunities so that they can go into this funnel and so that the best cases can be then selected and filtered out. Um, and also, uh, in that sense, it's important to select the most promising cases to really use the resources wisely. So it's a lot about um, first identifying these inventions, the most promising ones, then providing, for example, IP, intellectual property protection and legal support that is necessary to first um, secure the base for successful commercialization then when going towards the market or finding suitable partners, it's about marketing. It's about internally educating uh, the scientific, the research community about these possibilities and uh, yeah, really bringing the communities together and uh, providing support for the most promising cases. I think this is an interesting uh, area that you, that you um, let's say, um, describe here. And you mentioned one particular word that I really like in that context, it's network. So it's a networked economy. And it reminds me of a um, time when I was uh, doing research in the 90s. 
It uh, is a book from the University of St. Gallen. It's in German. So it's the networked company. And this was a new concept uh, back, back in the 90s when the internet started. And I think it describes the environment in which tech transfer offices and universities and early stage companies and industrial partners work very well. Because... Uh, taking technology out of universities into company, it doesn't matter if it's a startup or it's a, a huge industrial partners, is a special task that needs a lot of skills and a lot of, a lot of specialized people uh, that cannot be hired in a straightforward way. I would say you cannot put an announcement into, let's say, Germany, the Bildzeitung, and you get uh, 10 applications. So very often it's, uh, it's a dynamic process where people meet each other by chance. And uh, this networked economy is is really, really, in my opinion, a, a challenging field because we constantly have to bring a lot of uh, people and organizations together, make them interact and hope that the right people find themselves through interaction. And I'm interested in hearing from you how you see these challenges in this specific area for tech transfer offices. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. That was a super good point about networking and networking, especially strategically. So I think uh, it's uh, even if it's sometimes a coincidence that you happen to meet somebody uh, who can help you further, for example, a suitable um, VC or suitable uh, company representative who can help you with the technology transfer case, uh, actually, you can uh, really increase your chances by um, utilizing the right network. So, of course, within technology transfer as a field for the TTOs, there are specialized networks that can help in promoting the technology transfer as a field, as well as increasing the skills of the technology transfer managers. And then there are industry-specific networks, uh, for example, related to life science. You know this, this really well. Uh, and it's important to uh, have also technology transfer managers who can understand field-specific needs and, field and participate in field-specific networks. So, um, and I think, of course, digitalization has really provided uh, a huge opportunities here. There are numerous uh, different networks nowadays and more coming all the time for matchmaking and uh, really targeted interactions so that the industry needs can uh, meet the scientific uh, or that, so that there can be matches between the industry needs and the scientific results and inventions and in innovations. I think, I think it's very interesting how this environment changed when I think back to the 90s when I uh, did research at the University of Graz uh, in, in economics. Um, nothing like tech transfer or something uh, like that existed. And what I liked in this area was the um, the creative approach. Basically, people 
say, could do what they wanted as long as it was research and nobody guided them. And I think this is also a principle of science that uh, science is free to do research in any area, to explore new ways of doing things and uh, finding new knowledge. Then after graduating, I decided as an economist, I should see how the reality in companies and big organizations is and switched to uh, bigger public companies and experienced a completely different world. So this world was uh, focusing on plans, on targets, on goals, on processes. Um, there was almost no creativity, but people had to execute towards a certain goal in a straightforward way. And I think it's still the same. So we have on one hand uh, science and on the other hand, uh, we have this process-oriented big players in the field um, to move technology forward. But when I look at these two mindsets, in my opinion, they are completely different and uh, they are really challenging to unite into one people so that on one hand, the person is... Uh, creative scientist on the other hand uh, process-minded uh, business expert how do you see this uh, let's call it clash of mindsets in the area of tech transfer because basically we need both both mindsets in this area to move things forward how do you see how that can work yeah i think one person of course can't be everything in itself so it's important to bring really communities together and tech transfer is rarely done like all of the all of the activities are rarely done by one person, so it's really a team effort involving scientists, uh, involving IP experts, involving involving legal experts from uh, kind of from the beginning of the process, and then to when an invention has been identified, for example, then how to really approach, for example, big pharma, how to approach different types of companies. It's uh, important to on the on the academic side to educate the scientists also in what is important in this process how to for example talk about their research uh, how to also make it understandable to the broader community to how to for example um, how to for example um, i mean as an example podcast <laughs> we are we are in the podcast here how to talk about the research so that only also non-specialists can understand it. And um, I think different communities, different networking events nowadays in a, in a lot of ways are digital as well. But I think we are all also missing the personal interactions and the live interactions. But in whatever way, it's about bringing the communities together, really also having these intermediaries, for example, TTOs, to facilitate uh, this dialogue between the scientists and the companies. And uh, yeah, I would say it's uh, first to create these interactions, create the interfaces, and then uh, really try to understand uh, different uh, the, ne the needs of, the dif of different partners. The communities have evolved in a great way in the last 15 years since I started working with uh, life science companies, when I think uh, back say 12, 13, 14 years ago, scientists approached me. There were rarely any tech transfer offices at the universities. It was the time of 2008, 9. 
And uh, usually the process was, um, I have a patent, let's do something with that. What, can, what do you think what we can do? And when I look now on uh, the ecosystems, we have incubation programs, we have acceleration programs. Uh, we have a lot of public support, public grant support. We have a lot of... Um, let's say, um, um, shared, shared, shared uh, offices where people are come, come together, put together who have ideas and who, who don't know how to turn it into business yet, but find like-minded people. Uh, how do you see the advantages and disadvantages of, uh, of this ecosystem that has evolved since, uh, say, in the last 20 years? Uh, you mean the ecosystem uh, around it, it scientifically or more scientifically. in the tech? Scientifically tech transfer-oriented uh, organization. Well, the scientific community has always been kind of global, of course, to some extent in the early years, restricted by the access to the information. But nowadays, uh, information is ready, readily available. And uh, there are, of course, also uh, more and more open access initiatives. So access to scientific information has hugely increased, and not only within the scientific community, but also out uh, to the outside world and uh, in technology transfer i see a huge uh, improvement or trend towards uh, more systematic uh, collaboration more systematic initiatives and uh, also more resources put into this field but of course as the mckinsey report says uh, i think this need for technology transfer and efficient technology transfer skilled technology transfer will definitely increase um, even more in the future so we are uh, we are uh, well uh, on our way uh, to to making uh, this field even or accelerating this field even more but i think the need will even even duplicate in the future or, or even more no, I see it similar. I think I uh, completely agree with the McKinsey report. I mean, we have a lot of scientific inventions. I mean, as I said, not only patents, also uh, data or other know-how that can be used or can be turned into products or useful services later on. Uh, but definitely we have a lack of uh, these translators between scientists and uh, people who understand what it takes to run a business. And these are really two completely different worlds that have to interact and be linked together and europe is on a good way but there's still a lot of work to be done and just when i look on uh, the changes during the pandemic i mean i see it in my circle of friends as well um before the pandemic uh, nobody could uh, really do something with what i'm doing and why i help scientists and uh, why anybody pays pays for that uh when you need a drug uh, or a vaccine, you go to the doctor and there it is. So now, um, in my opinion, with uh, the success of the BioNTech and Moderna vaccines, that uh, we are able to bring a novel vaccine to the market through all the regulatory hurdles, uh, accomplished everything uh, diligently. Uh, within only 12 months, it was really amazing. It was really amazing to see how scientists collaborate on a global scale effortlessly with a huge support from politics and the regulators uh, to make that happen. And I ask myself very often a question, I mean, if we can take that dynamic and conserve it in the industry and also spread it into other areas like, for example, cancer research or uh, other, uh, fighting other viral diseases, maybe we could really have a chance over the next 10 years to solve 
the major um, illnesses of uh, of uh, the human society. And my question to you is, uh, what changes did you see in your area, in the area of tech transfer for the pandemic? Do you think uh, this spirit, this positive spirit will remain? Or was it just one moment in time and cannot be reproduced? I think this, it's really the wonderful time to see technology transfer in these times, definitely. And what has happened, for example, with the example that you mentioned is really remarkable. And it really shows that almost anything is possible if there are the funds and the right people to do it. And um, I'm very positive. I'm an optimist by nature. So I, I believe uh, through this these difficult times to some extent. Uh, I think through these, we have really created something unique. And uh, I think this trend will continue. Of course, um, we need the politics. We need the decision makers to support this. We need them to understand what is the role of technology transfer, how it can accelerate uh, the cre creation of new business and the transfer, the creation of impact from new science and the transfer of the technologies new new um, ideas from science to new business and uh, then societal uh, impact and societal benefit. So uh, I'm very positive and um, also thinking about what kind of opportunities we have now and what's coming. The digitalization will make this even easier. And I would say it's my vision to, and it's my mission also, to make technology transfer even more efficient and really identify where we can speed up this process which mm. parts are necessary, which parts maybe need to be recreated or what is not there yet. So let's see what the future brings, but I'm very positive. Yeah, let's, um, when, when I heard from BioNTech, for example, that uh, they were able to bring a vaccine to the market within 12 months, I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's really remarkable, as you say, and amazing, because before it took minimum of 10 to 15 years. And then I thought, wait a minute, was it really 12 months? And I digged a little bit deeper and uh, found uh, scientific reports uh, on the internet. And um, I just can roughly sum it up from the top of my mind because I don't have it available. Uh, but the, the, the early days or the, the, the days when these mRNA vaccine ideas were first put uh, into a scientific paper at the university dates back 30 years. So it, uh, I think it was 70s, around 70s, 80s when the first steps were done in that direction. And also BioNTech did already uh, clinical trials in cancer patients where they tried uh, first to prove that mRNA vaccines uh, can help people. And then they turned it into a vaccine against viral diseases. So, But the, the point is that the, develop, the full development was not really 12 months. It was about 30 years to come to the point to bring something to patients. And uh, when I read uh, through the newspapers, and there's a lot of controversial discussion, of course, I mean, 12 months, and uh, if it's, it's uh, too quick or if it was uh, really done properly. But uh, what we should not forget that the entire research, many, 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 many people worked um, a longer period of time to come to a point where they can bring something to patients. Also, BioNTech was founded, I think, back in 2008 or 2009. So they already had the history. And when I look at the newspapers today, we are so focused on these 12 months. And what I fear is that uh, maybe um, 
a little bit of misconception uh, might arise uh, in in politics that it's really quick to turn science into a business because it's not. So we need to invest now into science so that we have the solutions available when we need it in 20 or 30 years in the future. Um, do you see any risk that uh, because of this huge success of BioNTech and Moderna uh, that we might in future overestimate the speed of uh, development of deep tech. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. That's a super important question. So, of course, we need to continue the dialogue about how science is made, what is the technology transfer process related to it, and that all science is based on the huge body of results and scientific reports uh, that came before. So, uh, of course, groundbreaking innovations can be done any day, uh, but it is really completely new. So it's... Uh, always based on this uh, background, based on the science that came before that. And uh, also, as you mentioned, uh, e even in this case, uh, regarding the mRNA uh, vaccines, it is not, um, there is a huge, huge history be behind it. There's a huge uh, number of scientific publications. And uh, thinking about the future, you mentioned that, um, or asked that if my... Um, um, my opinion is whether this will continue. I think in, gen in, in general, um, we are accelerating the product production of results. More and more scientific results can be, uh, thanks to many different uh, new technologies, created quicker and, of course, disseminated quicker and uh, exploited quicker. So this will, in any case, increase. But um, we need to remember that... Uh, Scientific word is work is really meticulous, and uh, scientists they are creating new inventions all the time. And then I think it also comes to the identification of the most promising ones. So, and it comes to the networks and the and the interactions between, for example, the scientists and then mm -hmm. the TTO and the industry. So we need to make these these uh, interactions uh, seamless and really bring bring the actors together, create dialogue so that when something is identified, it can, in a fast way, be utilized. I think, uh, let's stay a little bit uh, on this question of the uh, if the effects will be lasting. I mean, I, I see one particular problem in the area, but maybe it's just because I'm coming from drug development. Um, at universities, uh, when I look at design at universities, they come up uh, with great concepts, great ideas, uh, but these ideas are not yet products. So the universities very often uh, are not the places where really product design in a commercial scale happens. And uh, when I look at companies, we have um, a lot of experts who understand how to 
uh, finalize products, bring it to markets, bring it to consumers or patients. Uh, but I think in between, we have a huge gap still after the TTO and before the industry. And from my experience, when I look at this specific area, this uh, what comes after tech transfer and uh, what comes before the industry, we have this uh, dynamic uh, startup area. And looking at this area for deep tech, I think we have really here a funding problem because those people who operate in that field uh, really rarely get the right funds uh, to train uh let's say scientists and also people from the industry in that particular area because we need this third mindset in my opinion so scientific mindset the process-oriented industry mindset and then we need the startup mindset and uh, my perception we have uh, in this translational field we have a huge gap how do you see it i see it kind of a lot the same way as you do so um, we also need to ensure that we have sufficient capacities and sufficient um, that the inventions are actually ready to be transferred transferred uh, to the industry. And uh, as you mentioned, there is a funding gap and this can be, of course, we see uh, that the funding is in general increasing. So there is a lot of hope and I think this will change with time. But at the moment, uh, still, I would say that more support would be needed both when uh, the science scientific inventions are still at the universities and when the TTOs are supporting them. And uh, then when they are, for example, brought to new uh, startups. So this early stage funding is really critical and uh, something more is needed there. But I think the trend is going up, so I'm hopeful. And uh, maybe one example that I can tell, I've worked a lot with so-called research to science, uh, research to business projects and uh, these are normally focusing on exploring different business models for different scientific inventions when they are still in universities or research organizations and uh, making connections to the industry already there, bringing the industry partners into dialogue. And uh, yeah, I think this kind of early stage support is really needed and it's also needed case specifically. So in addition to, for example, broader programs that can foster entrepreneurship uh, in the academia. But we need this kind of case-specific support after basic research, more towards maybe applied research, but especially towards strengthening uh, the, the business potential of identified inventions that could be always, developed into innovations. I mean, this this um, collaborative projects in, in research are part of, uh, I think, the, the scientific community for decades now. And also the, the granting schemes, uh, like, let's say, Horizon Europe, for example, or also Horizon 2020, or all these uh, European framework programs that came before, um, encouraged uh, scientists to collaborate uh, at scale. I'm just wondering... Is there, do you see initiatives that encourage scientists to integrate um, people or people from the industry and uh, business-minded people in early stage research? So just to help to understand whether an invention uh, can later on be turned into a product or not? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think there, it depends on maybe the specific uh, environment and specific uh, country, for example, how this is done. But it, it's in general important to 
educate the researchers about uh, the specifics uh, of the market related to their research and, uh, for example, encourage them to get in touch with the industry. Um, I'm not sure the funding example that I mentioned is, of course, bringing, for example, industry partners into contact with researchers already at an early stage. So this is one example. Um, but I would encourage researchers also to think about how their research fits into the bigger picture, what kind of business models there are at the moment. Um, does your research maybe fit into one of the existing business models uh, who is working in that field? Or is it something that can be turned into a completely new business model? So these kind of questions I would encourage researchers to think about and really connect with different types of people and different networks also involving industrial partners. So when we talk about uh, the field of tech transfer and all these challenges, um, what are the three most interesting trends currently that you perceive in your area at the moment? It's, I would say, digitalization, of course. So we were like all the different fields forced, kind of forced <laughs> to embrace this in the past couple of years. But uh, also it's uh, brought huge benefits uh, to the tech transfer community. Uh, then different capacities. We have different types of um, fundings at the European level, for example, that can uh, facilitate this process. There are, uh, of course, also so I think skills also, so the networks can really help technology transfer professionals uh, enhance their skills and uh, really benchmark, for example, their activities across boundaries, learn best practices and so on. So I would say it's it's the skills, the capacities uh, and the networks. Um, let's stay a little bit with uh, with the networks. I find it really, I, I think, uh, I mean, we are on a good trend. But I still think that uh, Europe needs a lot of, uh, um, let's say, a lot of more funds in that area and uh, create more dynamics uh, between the different countries. When I look at initiatives, uh, I see a lot of local initiatives. So also here, here in Vienna. Um, also, I think in Finland, when I look on uh, The, the Finnish landscape, from what I see on the internet, it seems to be also focused more on a local scale, also when I look at the UK. And uh, there are only a few initiatives who connect uh, these local hubs. I mean, it's ET Health or ET in Europe. Then we have this GIN network. But I think initiatives like EIT and uh, GIN who have a mission to build links between the local communities are key to success for, for, for European scientists. How do you see this, this field? Uh, do you think we need more of such initiatives or do we already have enough? I think definitely not enough. So <laughs> I, see, uh, I see a huge need also in that area. I'm thinking about uh, the trends that we mentioned from the McKinsey report. Uh, there's a huge... Uh, amount of high quality science coming from Europe and even increasing. We need support for this and we need support to make the right connections across different countries and across even different continents, I would say, both for the funding and uh, to make this in a strategic and clever way. Sara, I would like to ask you one final question. Um, let's say somebody or scientist usually is interested in uh, starting a tech transfer process because she made, in her opinion, a groundbreaking uh, discovery and she approaches you 
and at the conference, let's say, and you don't have a lot of time and she doesn't have a lot of time either. And she asks you just one question, Sada, can you give me one quick advice? What should I focus on initially? What advice would you give her? I think it's almost what I already mentioned. So to learn to describe the essentials of the invention in a way that also other people can easily understand if they're not from the same field. Uh, and then to study the market, the market players and connect to really relevant networks. And of course, if it's a researcher from a research organization or a university to definitely connect to their uh, TTO, the technology transfer office, find out uh, if there are suitable accelerator programs and uh, yeah, just start talking to people. And uh, I think this uh, process often is a way to refine the invention further and uh, Yeah, not stay within the academia, but also uh, connect to the outside world. <laughs> Great advice, Sara. Thank you very much for this conversation. And I wish you all the best for your future. And I hope you keep on helping scientists to turn their innovation into businesses. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.